So guys, before we get started, the main premise of this episode, as you guys see Andy McNamara to my right, um, was going to be fantasy football. But before we talk about fantasy football, I want to talk about two things. And no, it's not about what happened Sunday afternoon. It's about a coach that has really improved me this year and impressed me, which has resulted in the city of Cleveland getting a thing called Flacco Fever. Andy, do you want to count on that? <laughs> My thing, by the way, I just want to say, too, is, is given Kevin Stefanski his flowers, is going from the hottest of seats to probably the coldest of seats in the NFL. Well, and with that, like, Griff, I would sprinkle right now. You look at different sports books. You can get plus 1,400 on, on Coach of the Year Award honors for Kevin Stefanski right now. Yeah. Think of it this way. If he – and hopefully the Browns do get to the playoffs. Let's say they get the top wild card seed. And you're able to say with four different – not just four different quarterbacks playing, four different quarterbacks winning, mm-hmm. which is the first time that's been done since Houston did it in 2015 and only seven times, I think, total before that uh, – you win, you get that top wild card spot. How can you not give him coach of the year, especially if you have Houston start to dwindle a bit with D'Amico Ryans and the Detroit Lions limping to the finish? I, I want to say this about Detroit because I know everyone all year has been, it's Dan Campbell's award. For me with him, it always had to be, you had to win so much. You had to like, you know, get the number one seed, be what San Francisco is. Detroit's not that. So I think personally, his is like kind of, out of the window for coach of the year. I'm looking on FanDuel right now. He still is the favorite, but I see your boy right there at plus 1100 on FanDuel actually. And I really, him at plus 1100 or Shane Steichen at plus 600 are the two that I really am eyeing right now. Yeah. Steichen's interesting as well, depending how they, um, they finish up. Um, But man, four QBs. Yeah. Joe Flacco off the couch. The one thing I want to say about that too. The one thing I want to say about that too is your defense this year. Jim Schwartz, I feel like, is the defeat defensive coordinator that Cleveland's been yearning for for years. Yes. Now. Oh my gosh. Yes. 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 And it's interesting though. At home, they are a top ranked defense. On the road, not so much. So they play Chicago this week in Cleveland. So that's good. But it's like on the road, and um, they just had Maurice Hurst, one of the rotational defensive linemen, go to IR. Denzel Ward is supposed to be coming back. Pro Bowl corner. Miles has a banged up left shoulder, but he can still be effective. So it's kind of at this point, man, we just see players just falling on the IR all over the place. It's a battle of attrition. Whoever's the healthiest might win this damn thing. I'm going to say this about your game Sunday. I think right now you guys are plus minus three and a half uh, going into it against Chicago. Mm -hmm. I would take that just because I feel like everyone's going to be on Chicago for what they did on Sunday. Yeah, And kind of like, you don't look at them as like, look, the Bears are doing so good. But then it's kind of that game where when I look at these, because this is a defensive, if you want a defensive dogfight this Sunday, that is what you're going to get. The Chicago Bears, one of the more underrated defensive units in all of the NFL. And Cleveland, one of the more prominent defensive units. So this game's really going to be one, what ball can, what quarterback can turn the ball over the least. And honestly, I trust Joe Flacco right now more to keep the ball secure than I do Justin Fields. For as good as Fields has looked. He's very turnover prone, and we know Cleveland's got some dogs in the secondary. Well, oh, yeah. MJ Emerson, too. My goodness. Oh, a couple uh, uh, interceptions. You got Greg Newsom cooking back there as well. Anthony Walker's uh, causing some havoc. Um, The Browns have struggled against mobile quarterbacks, which will be interesting to see how they handle, how they've grown and learned from that with Justin Fields because the return of Denzel Ward is, I cannot overstate it enough. You put Denzel Ward in, you get rid of DJ Moore. 
You shut yeah. down DJ Moore. You shut down. Then you really just have uh, Cole Komet, and Browns have been burned by tight ends. But you could put an MJ Emerson. You can have JOK as the spy on fields. The key really is Ward being back, being effective, being healthy, and staying in. Because outside of that, then you're just forcing fields to either run or throw it up to just a bunch of guys, right? So that keeping keeping that in mind with Denzel Ward getting back in, hopefully very important. So that, that's the big thing, too, because honestly, and we'll talk about this in the fantasy perspective, but DJ Moore, he's been a great player this year. Cole Komet, yeah. too, has been a very underrated tight end for fantasy football this year. Because um, when he signed, he signed a four-year, I think, $50 million contract. I was like, is yeah. he really worth it? And then this year he's kind of showing, hey, this is why he's worth it. Um, but no, you guys are kind of set up now to where I was was saying Kevin Stefanski's seat was hot just because there's the whole what's going sure. on with Watson. He, if they do bad, they're just going to get rid of him and throw him to the curb and bring in someone that Watson wants now. No matter what Watson wants after this off, this offseason, Stefanski has secured his future in Cleveland, in my opinion, for at least, I would say, 24 and 25. Like, next year, there's no – it would have to go, like, off the rails, Brandon Staley, bad, or even <laughs> what's going on with my team, bad, for <sighs> something like talks like that to happen, which we've yeah. really traded – you and I have traded places this year, and I don't think you're totally mad about that. Well, I, I'll need a Super Bowl first to, to truly yeah. <laughs> to truly be in your shoes, my friend. Yeah, I meant, when we I meant get in the that, sense I'll of good. I meant in the sense of like playoff contention yeah, in the month of December <laughs> more than Super Bowl, and like we're in like I'm looking at draft picks already. Um, yeah. Which, oh man, that's gonna be interesting with New England. Quick side point is like yeah. Belichick's got to go, right? In like they'll have a graceful exit. They're not gonna fire Bill. Oh God! No. But don't you think this is it? There's so there's two sides to this. There's an angel and there's a devil on my shoulder. There's one going, he's going to go with a new coach. There's a small part of me still starting to believe now that Robert Kraft could bring him back because he knows about him wanting to break Shula's record. And if he were to go off and do that somewhere else, I just there's like I'm, it's so mixed emotions. Like I know it's what's right, but at the same time too, it's that like I can see it happening more than I saw Tom returning to New England in 2020. So. I think it can go either way. I just think that some sort of change is going to happen. To what extent, I don't know. I'll also say this right now. It's not coming Black Monday. It's not like, you know how you see some coaches where it's like right away, boom, kick to the door, goodbye. Presumably what's going to happen to Brandon Staley on Black Monday, probably Ron Rivera. That's not what's going to happen. This is going to be, you know, that random Tuesday news drop. Like, remember when Tom Tom Brady's announcement of leaving was on St. Patrick's Day, the first day we were all really stuck home doing absolutely nothing with COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be something similar to that where it's like a random news bomb at like 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Like maybe between – like I can see – I would take the week either between the Super Bowl and the Championship Sunday or the week of Championship Sunday just so New England finds their way into the news spectrum, you know, where it's kind of like you're in a bar, you're having a drink with your friend, and that loud drunk – called the new england patriots just walks in and is super <laughs> obnoxious I, that's that's how i see it playing down yeah 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 well I, and it will not be fired it will no, be mutual parting of the ways he's earned that you know like belichick's attitude you know leaves a lot to be desired but come on the thing is though he's got to win he's old he's like what 70 71 70 i think he'll be he's either i think he's 72 and i think he'll be 73 before the start of next year you got to win 10 games, uh, if you went over the next three years, 10 games, you break the record. But you're in New England with this team. Like, is this, you know, he, he could go. Like, I think Belichick will die on the field if given the choice. But at this rate, he's going to have to coach till he's 85. Yeah, that's the thing. Because he's six, I think it's 16 wins away from the record. So even if 
they were to play 500 ball, that's still another two years from now. That would be until I think the earliest he breaks it is 2025. I don't see it happening next year unless he lands on a team and they just go like 16 and one. But I feel like one loss NFL teams are very rare, even now, in the, especially oh, with a yeah. 16 game, 17 games, you're just adding that extra game in. It's just, it's completely rare. I feel like the best record going forward is always going to be 14 and three. So even if he goes 14 and three, it's still 2025 that he's going to break it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Huh? Yes. Um, but as for fantasy football this year, um, I asked this question to my guest, Phil, on Friday. And I want your opinion on it because I said this to him and we both agreed. I have two players in mind already for 2024 I can see going first overall. I just want to see who you think those two players are or who do you think are the first two players that could go at number one in fantasy. Oh, boy. Well, this year was the big mix, right, where it was the wide receiver talk instead of the running back. And, you know, Justin Jefferson, if he didn't get hurt, was was right on track for that this year. Yep. But he got banged out, came back, you know, got hurt again. Let's see. Um you know, when you look at it, uh, you're not going to, are you going to be going running back? Like I could save, I could probably say Christian McCaffrey again. Like that's, that's, uh, that wouldn't be crazy. Derrick Henry's definitely out of the conversation. Um, you know, would I go with Justin Jefferson? Ooh, off of the injuries. He's probably faded a bit. Um, I'd have to probably say Christian McCaffrey, but I, I can be, I can be persuaded elsewhere, but that's where my head goes to right now. So CMC is one of the players that are that I have in mind. The other one is Tyreek Hill. I think he's done mm. enough to show that like he could go. But like this year, for example, like the one draft I was in, it went Jefferson one. I took Chase at two. And then I believe Tyreek Hill went fourth and CMC went three. Austin Eckler's a guy that I think's dropped his draft Yeah. His draft stock has dropped significantly. But one player, I made this take to you last August, and now it's aged like fine. Well, my, my takes are like wine. They take a while to age. Or, or <laughs> but David yeah. Montgomery as a late round pick. Oh, you hit that one, year, man. That was a year early. I can say that. <laughs> that was a year early on David Montgomery. But I think for all the people out there that were against truthers, it's going to be next year that your wishes are going to come true immediately mm-hmm. because we're seeing now how explosive and fast this kid is. Yeah. You got to get him more touches. Um I'm just looking right now, different league leaders. Like Tyreek Hill, I don't disagree with. I think CD Lamb, you can make a case for. I wouldn't uh, say maybe not first overall, but like I'd top say top three. 10. You know, like if you go Tyreek, Christian McCaffrey, flip flop, boy, CD Lamb, top five. I'd put him top five right now. I'd put him the, top five. Um, one player to you, though, that I did say earlier this year, like don't draft him so high, but I feel like next year is the year to buy in on him as well as another rookie, and that's Bijan Robinson because. I've seen nice so many people season. because so many people were like in on him. And I'm like, I don't like a first round grade for a running back, like for a rookie mm-hmm. running back. And so many people got burned on him by miscoaching so that if Arthur Smith is fired, you get the right coach in there. He's going to be a player that will explode for you immediately. I don't see him as a first round pick next year. I feel like there's going to be some buyer's remorse to where he could fall to the uh, 2.1, 2.3 or 4 region. Like, you know, so if you're snaking back around and you're picking like in a 10-man league, you're picking like four, 13th or 14th. He probably will be right there in my opinion. And another guy too who I feel like his draft stock has plummeted for next year is Travis Kelsey. Like I know a lot of people were giving him a first-round grade, mm-hmm. but this year he's been very, very up and down when it comes to fantasy football, especially to Patrick Mahomes, which I saw a tweet today. Did you know that Sam Howell has more fantasy points this year than Patrick Mahomes? Isn't that crazy? I saw that. And that in the last two or the three games, Tommy DeVito has more fantasy points than Patty Mahomes. 
How about that? <laughs> that is something who, else. Who had that prediction going? Tommy DeVito and his Goodfellas agent, which is like the best thing <laughs> maybe ever. Like that is like, th- that had to be played. There's no way that guy is a real agent. Come on. <laughs> I, I did Google agent and a photo of the guy came up, but I'm just like, there's no way that he dresses like that regularly. For all I we know, he, he does. does. You know what? I'm going to believe, Griff, I'm going to believe yeah. he does because that makes me happy inside. I'm going to believe he does. And he's sitting back there in a smoke-covered room with like a like a cheap whiskey beside. It's like, come on, Tommy's worth it. Come on, come on. You know, it's just, just like gruff voice. Just so good. <laughs> I, I will say this too, though. The DeVito story, in my opinion, though, only works because of where he's playing. If he was playing, oh, yeah. for, if he was playing, say, for your Cleveland Browns, it's not as big. No. The fact that... It's a Jersey kid from Jersey who's purely 100% Italian, Italian, you know, with the yeah, yeah. Love it's his just, mom. Yeah, if he's in California, no one cares. Exactly. It's the fact that he's home in Jersey. Like, and so I'll say funny. this too, like, because that's the thing too, when you look at fantasy, like, I would, I would not touch him for fantasy football unless you seriously need him for your playoff runs. But uh, what was I going to say? That's a team all in all, the Giants, where it's just like there's a lot of buyers remorse there too. Like Saquon Barkley's had a good year, not a great year. Darren Waller's been up and down with injuries. And they got a quarterback situation next year because it's like, what are they going to draft? You got to pay Daniel Jones. So the Giants are a very tricky team on their own. But for right now, I feel like they're enjoying this. It's it's kind of that enjoying the story considering how bad the start of their year was. And so bad. The only fantasy person I'm interested in on the Giants is Saquon Barkley. That's yeah. it. I, and I thought, Darren, and I don't really blame Darren Waller. No. Darren Waller should have been an absolute fantasy stud. Should have been. If Daniel Jones wasn't such a train wreck and the injuries didn't come up, he should uh, have, have been great because he was the only option. There's nobody yeah. else there. The Giants stink when it comes to fantasy football. I'm not interested. Not interested at all if your name's not Saquon Barkley. And even then, he's falling. Like, Griff, he's going to be falling into RB2 territory this point in his career with always the looming injury bug around him but that's the thing though with like and now too i think he's gonna get a uh, another he's gonna get another chance somewhere else to go and you know really shine and be able to be able to shine and kind of show his skill set off but i would agree with you i feel like saquon barkley he's fallen into that like you know round two later round two Mm -hmm. early round three kind of running back that territory you know where you could probably find next year like jonathan taylor Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry. And these are all guys, too, who at one point in their careers were solid first-round picks. Oh, um, some first overall pick. Hey, and, and Griffin, yeah. let's look at it this way here, okay? So we're saying a bunch of guys, second round, second round. Who are the first-round running backs for next year? CMC. Got to be CMC. Yeah, check. Um, I probably think people are going to jump on Gibbs for that just because they've seen it's that, like, towards the end. Like, yeah. I have a spicy take on this, but Raheem Mostert. Mostert, but with a Shane coming up, like I don't disagree. Mostert's had a hell of a year. A Shane's at, uh-huh. what about what about Rashad White? Sneaky dominant year. Like you look at his fantasy outfit, man. Holy cow! White has been phenomenal. Like it takes me by surprise because I get, you know, the Tampa Bay Bucks is this NFC South. Like, ah, eh, you know, you don't necessarily pay attention, but you look at what Rashid White has done. Holy, like just fantasy point wise, it's been once you got he had two bad weeks, week one and three and six. The rest have been high teens, mid teens, a couple 20s. Like, man, where you probably were able to get him. I'm not saying Rochelle White first round pick, but uh, just in general, like this is a guy I want some some shares of. 
Um, I'm so I'm on a site called Fantasy Pros right now just because I want to look up top ten overall. But I went to the running back page, so I'm gonna go from ten to one. Actually, one okay. to ten. So it's McCaffrey and Mostert. Third, and this is a guy I think that's a first round pick that I got in the third round this year. But Travis Etienne. Yep, yep. He's really he's popped back nicely. He's had th- uh, he's had a few rough weeks, but for the most part, his weeks are at least thirteen points. He's had a few weeks in single digits. Derrick Henry's fourth. Another guy who I think could be a first round pick next year. From the LA Rams, Kyron Williams. Yeah, that's going to be. You know what? Kyron Williams is going to be a hot, uh, a hot pickup. Um, I really like what he's done there. It's. I got him a couple of my teams, and I'm I'm thrilled. Uh, he's somebody that could really, really pop up. I could see that being a first round pick. I bet you, end of the first round, Bijan Robinson still gets in. What about Brees Hall? You know who you I feel was... bad for? Him and Garrett Wilson. My gosh. Brees Hall's a player I said to not buy on because I was worried about his ACL. And that's a take that I yeah. was so wrong on. Brees Hall, he came back and it was like he had never torn his ACL before. Like I gave him all the props in the world. Uh, I so don't, bad he around sick, him. That's the problem. He's still in the top 20. He, had, he has yeah. more points right now than Saquon Barkley at fantasy. Like imagine if he had a, even a good, not a great, a good offensive line. Like this is, you know, it's something where if the, if the Jets make some – dramatic changes at the O-line, which if you have Aaron Rodgers, you should, um, and get vastly better. Like, Brees Hall's stock has to go up there, but you have him. Tony Pollard, I think, really, we've this was the year to discover what he is, and yeah. to me, this is a nice RB2. High RB2, not yeah. an RB1. One player I want to ask you about, because it's close to home for you, but where do you place Nick Chubb for next oh, year? Oh, boy. I know, I know. I, like, we know when he's healthy, that's that's a, a top dog right there. That's that's yeah. a first round pick. Um, now the trouble is he had to have the MCL surgery, then the ACL. the ACL surgery. So he's had two. So he will be back in 2024. They said we'll be back for it at some point in the 2024 season. We don't know when that is. Now we know Nick Chubb is a physical freak. Will be training his butt off. Is still in the facility and around the team every day. Doesn't take a day off. Phenomenal. So I feel when he comes back. He should be rebuilt and great. Um, but when does that happen? When, you know, is it week two? Is it week three? What does, is it five? Like that's, that's going to, that's going to knock him down a bit. So until we get clarity on that, it's tough. If you were to wave your wand and say, Hey, he's good to go um, for next year. And he's and he's back with the surgeries. I take him at the back end of a first round. I, I would, you know what? He's still, it's that still potential. It's, I know a lot of people got burned on it this year with Travis Kelsey, who I was looking at tight ends is weird, but he's still number one overall for points. But with Nick Chubb, I completely agree with you. If you have him there in the back of the half of the first round, like if you're sixth, seventh, eighth overall, and he's right there for the taking, I like, I don't think there's buyer's remorse there. I think it could be, oh, hey, you could have had player X over him, but it's just the, Big potential is just too strong to pass on for a running back like Nick Chubb. Because like you said, he's fully healthy. He's that kind of guy that will potentially win you a championship. He's that good of a player. And we'll have to withhold our full sort of judgment on that until we get more clarification on a likely return date. That's exactly it. Back in in the summer. Well, you know, once, once we're hitting July, we should have a ballpark. And once we get that, then we can make a better decision, I think, on. But you're right. Yeah, if he's like... If he's there, or like, hey, he'll start week two, um, back end of first round. Exactly. And then with the tight end market, so a take that I had for you that's come true because I'm looking at the stats right now, 
is that George Kittle is tight end too. I said that in August. I'm like, he's going to be tight end too in fantasy, and he is there right now. He's only 3.3. So Travis Kelsey is 117.6. Kittle is 117.3. So they both average about nine points a game for fantasy football. But those aren't the players I want to talk about. There's a player that has cracked the top 10 that has really been booming lately and had a really good game on Sunday, and you're going to love this because it's your boy, David Njoku. Oof. Two tutties. Now, he had drop problems. He got the yips for a couple of weeks, though. And Joku's one points on Sunday. Oh, I know. <laughs> Believe me, him and Flacco. Let's go. Right? Like, I, I'm, I'm uh, thrilled. My question is, for Njoku, he has taken steps forward, which is good. Uh, he's been in the league since he was 20 years old. And he's like 26, 27 now. So he's still, he's just like in reaching his prime now as a tight end, really traditionally. And there's still more to take. Has has some drop issues sometimes, but he is, you saw the stiff arm this with just a physical freak. I love it. Um, he's somebody where I think he has, his value has gone up from where it was last year, but he's still not consistent enough. And really it depends. Like for the Browns next year, you have to restart again with Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson, you know, and don't, but quick side note, I don't want to hear any more of this rust crap out of Deshaun Watson camp. Joe Flacco got off his couch, hadn't played since the Jets in 11 months. That dude looked phenomenal. Okay? Looked great. No no, no more rust excuse, Deshaun. Okay? Get up. Get moving. Let's go. I love the enthusiasm. No more rust excuses. No. Um, um, but I'm also to another tight end that has really impressed me this year as well is Sam Laporta's low-hanging fruit, oh. Trey McBride. Oh, is he wanted, Sam Laporta McBride from Arizona. I was like, oh, Sam McBride. McBride. Sam Laporta is low-hanging fruit to say. He's yeah, tight yeah, end yeah, four. Yeah. He's tight end four right behind Hawkinson right now. But Trey McBride's tight end 12. So if you want to wait and draft a solid tight end later in your draft next year, and also I say this too because I think Kyler is going to be the quarterback in Arizona next year. I don't think they're moving on from him. Trey McBride right there, probably still there in rounds like, you know, eight, nine, and 10 when stuff starts to kind of dwindle down because he's that player that only like the, the real football guy is going to look at and go, oh, yeah. this. Some people are going to see Trey McBride in Arizona and go, eh. but then we see this year where it's like he's really forming into himself, which got, I'm pretty sure football future Hall of Famer, Zach Ertz, waved by the Cardinals. Yeah, 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 right. Um, McBride, the numbers don't lie. And yeah, if, if something weird happens and Murray doesn't go back, whatever, then you kind of could reassess, but um, as far as tight end goes, we know there's not many options, right? So unless you want to be go the TE zero route and you're uh, streaming tight ends each week, which is a disaster and super stressful, don't put yourself through that. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, don't stream. You know, no, like you gotta you gotta look at the the top guys. You're gonna have to reach for Travis Kelsey if you want him. TJ Hawkinson's right up there. Sam Laporta, godsend. Um, Kittle with the injuries always spooks me a little bit. Like personally, I, I try not to draft Kittle. It just drives me nuts. High risk, high reward. You know? Yeah. And like then um, Trey McBride. And I think too, like if you stick with, uh, if, if uh, the Bears stick with Justin Fields, which is not a sure thing, they could trade him, whatever. Um, you got to look at Cole Komet as well. Like, again, th- this is the frustrating part. You have a guy who were like, this guy's doing great, but let's count still. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, seven single-digit fantasy point weeks. And he's still one of the better fantasy tight ends because of the, of the pop weeks. So that's what's so frustrating about it. That's why a guy like Trey McBride, you're right, is sneaky consistent. Even if you, like, if you're getting me 
11 fantasy points gets if you're giving me consistent double digit every week double digit i'll take it over these over these big spikes that's it you just you want consistency because obviously certain players are going to pop like how evan ingram and david njoku popped this week but if you look at njoku like i'm saying i'm not saying like hey go get him as like your tight end three or four no but like David Njoku, Trey McBride, Jake yeah. Ferguson. Actually, maybe not next year for Drake, uh, Jake Ferguson. But like a Cole Komet, Njoku, Trey McBride, even to a guy like a Dalton Kincaid. They're those mm-hmm. guys that are going to be there. Like I say, like what I would like to talk about where I feel like you win is that meat and potatoes, six, seven, eight, ninth, tenth round picks. Those are guys that are going to be there. Sometimes some people may take them. But then again, with tight end, you can't freak out because that's a one position I feel like Travis Kelsey and Kittle always go about third or fourth round. Sometimes first or second, depending on where you're drafting and how many people are in your league. But tight end, I feel like I've had years like where I take Mark Andrews, for example, in like the fourth or the fifth round, and then people see, oh, hey, good tight end's gone, and then you start freaking, and then it just kind of has a run on tight end because people are like, crap, all the good guys are gone, so we got to go and panic. Meanwhile, you sit back, you do do some research. I'm not saying like study this for like an exam, but at the same time, too, you want to be that guy that's not – winning you know the toilet bowl or i'm no. blanking on the title from the league you don't want to be in that the position sacco. so the yeah. sacco. you don't want the sacco yeah. that's the thing how to you, avoid the sacco is basically you, what we call this podcast yeah yeah exactly you know it's one guy and he's not it's not sexy but it's that consistent and i feel he's he's not quite there but close cade Otten of the buccaneers look I, at this guy like griff he's getting you nine eight to 10 fantasy points average a week with some spikes with a couple dips but more often than not he's right around that eight to ten mark so that's almost at the cusp where i where i was saying if he would be able to up that a bit just just to that 10 mark you have a nice steady you get him like at the end of the draft you're not spent and you got a decent tight end that you can set and forget and and you you stack up elsewhere somebody i want to keep my eye on yeah it's kind of those like long reaches that like it's not so much high risk high reward but you know that it's like low risk and yeah because if worst case scenario if they flake out or if they're not that good you can always just go and like you know guys guys will come and pop out of nowhere guys will get you excited kind of like next year to a guy to kind of watch where he goes the right situation is a brock bowers from georgia he's gonna be Mm. he's gonna be a stud i just have worries with tight ends in their first years just because I feel like how everyone thought Kyle Pitts was going to pop and he hasn't really popped. But then you look at a Sam Laporta or a Dalton Kincaid, those are guys that have popped. So I feel like with Brock Bowers, he has that potential to pop. I'm not saying go draft him early, but he's going to be that guy where, again, he's going to be there for the taking. So I'm just saying, like, maybe if Brock Bowers goes undrafted in leagues, if Kate Otten doesn't get off to a hot start and Brock Bowers is in the right situation, he's lighting it up. You go and grab him. I wonder if we'll see people reach a bit more on rookie tight ends because of Sam Laporta and Dalton Kincaid, which I still feel is the exception to the norm, but for the right talent and the right spot, it might not be like Sam Laporta was in a perfect position in Detroit. So it really depends where guys like that go, of course, but I wonder if there'll be a trend on reaching a bit because of Sam Laporta, Kincaid, you know, I, I don't know. It's basically this. Um, did they go to Iowa? Yes or no? Are they playing yeah. for Arthur? Are, are they playing for Arthur Smith? Yes or no? And then that's where you decided they went to Iowa. You take them, or if they didn't play for, if they're not playing for Arthur Smith, you draft them. If they are Arthur Smith, avoid it like the plague. Even yes. though I do, I assume with the Falcons do miss the playoffs, Smith is gone. So that I hope so. That's that's the that's the big thing. So because if Arthur Smith gets gone, like I've seen people 
mad about it where it's like this guy should be investigated why is he not using this and i'm just like he's a he's a moron it's not like people are thinking he he bet unders no his dad took a gamp his dad who's a billionaire i don't know if you know this or not, but his dad's a ceo of fedex or the founder of fedex oh i did yeah, not know so that. it's like the lease with brad tree living arthur smith's dad is the founder of fedex so arthur smith doesn't have to work it's just he loves the game of football so much that he he's a football coach it's kind of like and, brad and he's tree not living. good at it yeah <laughs> And the same thing with Brad Tree Living right now, which we'll wait and see on that. But this is a football podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, going back to Cleveland, just to finish things up, because I always like to talk about other people's teams. Looking at your schedule here, you guys have the Bears, the Texans, the Jets, and the Bengals. That four-game stretch right there, eight and five. How confident are you going into these last four games? Because, look, the Bears are a team that are kind of in the mix there. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but they're a team that can play spoiler. The Texans, we'll see what happens with C.J. Stroud with his concussion, even though I do feel like he'll be back by the time you guys go down to Houston. The Jets, well, they can jet. And the Bengals, <laughs> the Bengals also have been a very nice surprise with Jake Browning. I thought for sure after yeah. that Pittsburgh game, I'm like, yeah, they're done. But then again, we'll see. So how confident are you going into these last four games? The Houston game is the most interesting because we have to figure now with how jammed up things are in the AFC tiebreakers are important which is why beating the Jags was really good because you get that AFC conference win yes. under your tiebreaker belt but you look at Houston Tank Dell's gone uh, uh calf injury to Nico Collins like how what shape are they going to be in you got to beat the Bears it's at home Browns defense is dominant at home friendly confines last time Justin Fields was here Miles Garrett sacked them four times I don't, uh, Justin Fields has gotten better since then, of course, a couple of years ago. But this is a game, I think, if you have Denzel Ward back, like I said, if you shut down DJ Moore and you can contain Cole Komet, then you just have to worry about the running, the running stuff. JOK put him on Justin Fields, and you have kind of that bit of a schmoz in the backfield with Dante Foreman, Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson. If you can, if you can keep that under control. Flacco is smart enough and quick enough to get rid of the ball that I hope like a Montez sweat won't turn into a game break. I love Montez sweat coming out of the draft. Oh my gosh. So I think if you beat the bears, you're feeling good. You got to at least get to 10. That's the con, but you with all the tie breaks, who knows you get to 11, you guarantee yourself a spot. I could see 11, but each game here, Griff, you can make a point like Browns can definitely win. Yep. Or it's like, man, you could also talk yourself in the other way. This is, this is going to be tough. I, I predict, I'm predicting 11 wins. I'm going to put the good vibes out there. I'm going to say 11 wins. Maybe that's enough to get you the top wild card spot. And then if that's the case, ooh, I would love to face Jacksonville again in the first round. I, I agree because I think you guys will beat the the Bears. Um, the Texans, I think you can. It's it's that Jet game or it's that Bengal game because yeah. those two teams are kind of – I think the Jets kind of have done enough to themselves to where they won't make it. Also, do they still have to play Miami – they play Miami, Washington, Cleveland, and then they come to New England to finish. But with the Jets, I just don't – unless they go on a run here and finish 9-8 nine, I, I, nine and eight even still, but I do feel like 10 wins is the minimum to get into the playoffs this year yeah. no matter what. A nine-win team, a nine-win team, excuse me, may be able to squeak in, but I just don't see it happening. Um, Jets have to win out. Like, yeah. like, really, Jets have to win out to maybe and probably not. And Zach Will, that Zach Wilson little uh, puff-up – Okay, that that fine. It's it's done now. So they're going to get figured out again. It's win out and get help. Which if you're in that win out and get help scenario, chances yeah. are you're not going to make the playoffs. This no far out, no. yeah, no. This far out, no. If you if you had the, like you know, hey, you could afford to lose one down the stretch. If you're like, if the Jets were six and seven right now, then yeah, it's mm -hmm. more likely because they can afford a loss. But now I just don't see that happening. 
And then the Cincinnati game for you guys, I could very well see that being one of the Saturday night flexing ESPN yeah. options, as you know. Because I, I would say Sunday night football, but I think that game is going to be the Buffalo Miami Week 18 game. It's going to be that's going to be Sunday night football that week because of what's on the, probably going to be on the line there. Because well, let's just say this Miami kind of opened the doors. But yep. going back to this week, I want to say one quick degenerate point before we go. It's a PSA. For everyone out there last week who clowned Patriots and Steelers saying it was going to be a bad game. It was going to be 3-0. <laughs> Boy, do I have a surprise for you. Thursday night, Aiden O'Connell versus Easton Stick. The under is 33.5. Do not even second guess it. Take it. And also, Andy, coming up on Christmas Day, Philadelphia plays New York. So I'm going to tell you this right now. A Boston Scott anytime touchdown will be Ooh. waiting for you underneath the tree. It always is. Oh, and that's on Christmas is. too. Got to do mm-hmm. it. I wonder if it, the sport. I wonder what the sports books say at it because, like, we all know it as a joke and a truth. But I wonder, like, because if you look at Boston Scott anytime touchdown, any other game, it's probably like plus a thousand or something, right? But probably. like, I wonder. I wonder. We'll wait and see. I know that last year it was. I got it. Like, I think plus four fifty or plus five hundred during the first two Giant games in the regular season, and then the playoff game. I think it was starting to creep down where they were starting to get wise to it. We'll see what happens this year because obviously DeAndre Swift has just been a monster. But it's just even if Boston Scott doesn't score, it's just the funness of betting it because of the history with the bet. It's just, you know, he always seems to do this. He's done this pretty much, I think, seven games in a row where he's just he scores against the Giants. So as soon as I saw the schedule come out, I'm just like, you gotta play it. That's just it's it, I don't care if it doesn't hit, it's just just ride it for the funness of it. And while you're eating your Christmas turkey. Hopefully the bet cashes for you. So you got something to pay off the turkey or your kids' Christmas presents. And you know what? He's got zero touchdowns this year. There's time for one. (laughs) And I mean, too, the Eagles are kind of coming out of a slump right now. And I would expect – I can honestly see that being the game where DeVito has his – like, you know, the clock strikes midnight on Cinderella. Yeah. Like what we saw with Josh Dobbs now. I'm not saying DeVito's going to regress to Dobbs. I think Dobbs is the worst quarterback than DeVito. But we all know that DeVito eventually is going to have that game where oh, yeah. he comes back down. If he doesn't, though, the Giants have a serious problem That's this offseason. It would be wild if he didn't. But you're right. It's going to happen at some point. Uh, fun story in the meantime. Exactly. Exactly. But, no, I just want to say that with this Thursday's game, Chargers and Raiders, it's it's not going to be fun. Just it's not going to be a fun game. The team that loud that could that did not score a single point indoors. If you can't score indoors or if you lose 3 nothing indoors – that's a humbling experience. Oh, what a man. I think the uh what's the coach what's the interim guy's name? Pierce? Yes. Yeah, I think that's been, you know, that that uh that ride where it's like, ah, oh, make him a contract now. That's why you don't. No. You you wait. You wait. It was a couple of, like even with Pierce, it was a couple of fun weeks where it's like, look, you beat yeah. the Giants, you beat the Jets, but then you kind of play teams that are a little above your pay grade, and it's kind of like this is why the Raiders are the Raiders. So there's going to be someone new in charge there come next offseason. And with the Justin Fields thing, with the quarterback situation, they're a team I seriously think that would mortgage their future to go get Caleb Williams. Because if you're the if you're the Bears, dangle that pick out like a carrot over a horse because some stupid team is bound to sniff on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We know teams go for quarterbacks, what they pay. Absolutely. That, I could totally see that. And Raiders are always a wild card. You never know what they're going to do. You can't you can't predict what they what they're going to do. Exactly, because even or even the other thing too is is the, my other dream scenario is that the Bears draft Marvin Harrison number one overall, and then 
if he goes out. Apparently, he's been offered like twenty mil nil uh, nil. He's 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 coming out. I I can't see a world where he's that serious about staying back to beat Michigan. I just feel like the NFL. I know college money's tempting, but I feel like the NFL is just it's the NFL to where it's like. Mm-hmm he's going to have that decision, you know, where they come up with that long paragraph. It's like, I want to thank everyone. I'm declaring yeah, yeah. the Bible verse under the bottom. <laughs> like that, Insta- that Instagram post is coming within like the next month. Yeah. John, yeah. John three sixteen at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like Psalms 21 or something like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, guy, take, take your mills. Come on. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, Andy, want to wish you and yours a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Too, happy New Year's. Merry Christmas. Get, you know what, guys? It's that time of the year. If you guys didn't see too, we got the nice little Christmas fonts. They will be here for the next couple of weeks. We have week 15 preview coming up tomorrow night. But this has been episode 267. And as you guys know, the road to 300 is continuing. So for myself and Andy McNamara, hopefully you guys win your fantasy football championships. And I'll say this too because I like Andy. Go dogs. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.